you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Good morning, Invitation Church. Today our scripture is John 13, 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who had said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered, unless I wash you you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do do them. Awesome. Thanks so much. So we got to talk about the moment when dinner gets interrupted. You know, you've been in a restaurant and you're just trying to have dinner with somebody. You know, maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe you're meeting a friend. Maybe there's some kind of business deal that's happening at Johnny Carino's or somewhere else. It's a great place for a business deal to happen. And then some person just interrupts the deal, right? They see you, and it's been a long time since they've seen you, and so you've been in this moment, and they kind of walk up, and they say, hey, don't want to interrupt. Hi, I'm Dale. Good to meet you. Hey, And they have this conversation with one of the people at the meal. You've been in a moment like this, or you're having a meal in your house, and you've worked really hard, like you've kind of slaved away in the afternoon to like make this meal and you you get everybody down and we're seated at the table everything's all ready and then somebody's phone rings or there's somebody at the door Amazon has brought another package to the house and it interrupts the meal can I tell you that Jesus when he comes to planet earth One of the things that he wants to do, one of of the purposes that he puts on is to serve as a disruptor. 
He doesn't come just to play the part of a, another Jewish ruler, another Jewish teacher, another rabbi. Somebody who's got something to say about God in the world and the people who live in the world. But Jesus comes to disrupt. This is what his healings are all about. Oh, see, you thought you were going to be blind forever. You thought you were never going to walk. You thought it was always going to be this way. But I say to you, get up and walk. So even the healings are a disruption to the order. And the disciples, they're just trying to have a meal. You know, we, we don't know what happened earlier in this day. We know it's Passover time. And so we know that the, the city of Jerusalem is slammed. Like, you guys love driving down 41st Street on, like, December 22nd at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. How's that feel for the soul? Pretty exciting. You're like, oh, I knew I should have stayed in that small town I grew up in, right? All these people from Minnesota and Iowa. My grandpa used to call those flatlanders. You lived in the mountains of San Bernardino. And so if you did not have a California license plate and you came into his town, Big Bear, California, you were a flat. That's another sermon for another day. But this is what the, the scene that John is painting for us. That the disciples are having a meal. And what does Jesus do? Jesus is not happy just to go along with the meal, you know, in the ancient world, it's not like a tall table that you sit around with wooden chairs, but no, like you're seated on your bottom around a big, big plate of food that you kind of all just sort of share. And so everybody's feet are kind of like bumping up once against one another. Like how amazing does that sound? Some of you are looking at me like this bracing yourself. It's the feet part that's like, I don't know how I feel about that. And Jesus interrupts all of that, and he does something that's actually really embarrassing. Like the, the meal has started, they're enjoying it, like, hey, Peter, pass the potatoes. Hey, Mark, pass the jello. How come that's not even a salad? That's a South Dakota salad. Why are you doing it? Like, this is what's happening in the moment, and Jesus interrupts all of that, and he takes a, a basin, probably not like this one. This is from Target, so this is $3.99 if you're looking for something. And he's got some water. I just got to see if it's still warm. Oh, yeah, it is. Still a little bit warm. And then he takes a towel, and he, it gets awkward because he takes his outer clothing off. Jesus is a disruptor. So he removes what's typical, what's normal, and he, the scripture tells us that he ties the towel around his waist, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And in the ancient world, like, their streets are not like our streets. There weren't any potholes. And also, in addition to not being any potholes, you know, all of the stuff of life, can we say that? All the stuff of life is in the streets. And you know you can't be a human being and exist in the world without getting the stuff of life on you. So the stuff that's going on in the office, like it's impossible for that stuff to not stick to you in some kind of a way. 
like the stuff that's going on in the hallways of the school that you walk down each and every day in the classroom that you're in. Like, it's just impossible for the stuff of life to not stick to you. It's impossible to turn the news on and listen to some person share their opinion about what's going on in the world and have that not stick to you. You can't just kind of like walk away from that moment and go on to the next thing. How many of you know that part of what it is to be human is that stuff is going to stick to you, the stuff of life? is going to stick to you. And this is what has happened to the disciples. You know, they spend their time walking. They don't drive in a car. Their feet are their transportation. And so they go from town to town, house to house, moment to moment, and yes, their hearts are impacted by what they see. Yes, their hearts are broken by the brokenness of the world, but you know, their feet in a lot of ways kind of mirror the t-shirt of a three-year-old. Like you can kind of see where the three-year-old has been during the day. Like we started up here with breakfast, peanut butter toast. Oh, you had that. That's amazing. And then it kind of keeps going down the tea. Oh, had a juice box at about 11 o'clock. That's really cool. You can kind of trace that. Well, that's, I think, a bit of a picture of the feet of the disciples. Like the stuff of the world is just on them and it's not super great. It's kind of nasty. And so Jesus does something kind of embarrassing. He removes his outer clothing and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Don't ever forget, this is in the middle of the meal. And so Jesus is very willing to interrupt things when he has a point to make. He's not a God that just wants to go along with things as they are, but he wants to interrupt them. He wants to raise his hand. He's the kid in the back of the class who says, but that's not what you said yesterday. He's very happy to do that. And this is what he does. And this is embarrassing for the disciples. Why? Well, it's a very intimate thing, first of all. I mean, I don't know how you feel about your feet. I was going to show some feet pictures. I decided against it. It's a good choice. I don't know how you feel about that. The disciples probably didn't feel great about what they kind of had going on, you know, in their, their feet. And it's good for you to know that before you would go to somebody's house in the ancient world for a meal, you would take a bath. So the moment where Peter says, hey, no, not just my feet, wash everything. He says, no, Peter, bro, if you've had a bath, you don't, you don't need to do all of that again. But when you go to somebody's house in the ancient world, you would take a bath first. Like you would get yourself clean. Well, what happens on the road from your house to their house is your feet get dirty. And so what would happen is there would be a servant of the house. And what would the servant of the house do? Amazing question. The servant of the house would wash the feet of the guests. But this was not a job in Jewish homes that was for Jewish servants. This was a job in Jewish homes that was for Gentile servants non-Jews. People on the outside would do this job because it was nasty. And so in this moment, what's happening, Jesus is like, hey, time out on the hummus. I have something I need to teach you. And he takes off his outer robe and he puts on this towel and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. He does something that Jewish rabbis would not do. He does something that Jewish people would not do. He takes the posture of an outsider, somebody who's on the outside of the kingdom, 
And he says, there's something that you're missing about what I have come to disrupt, what I have come to speak into, what I have come to shape so much so that I had to take this moment in the middle of the hummus and the wine and all of the deal so that I could share with you about my kingdom. This is embarrassing. I try to think of what this would be like today. This would be a little bit like having a dinner party with some people that are really important to you. I don't know, maybe like the boss at work, you're trying to convince her to kind of go a certain direction and she's not biting. You ever had that moment in life? And so let's have supper together and let's, let me share my idea again because you didn't hear it the first time because it's such a great idea where this company should go. Have them over for dinner, right? And you know how this is. You invite people over for dinner and you know, you kind of do the, the hustle to clean up the house and the areas where you think people are going to be right? So probably going to be here. Let's make that look amazing. Probably going to be here. Let's make that look amazing. Then the other, like the upstairs bathroom, just leave it alone. Throw everything in there. Put your bicycle, Johnny. Get it in the upstairs bathroom because nobody's going to go up there. It's fine. And I don't even want to go in there. I haven't been in there in seven weeks because I know it's disgusting. And then this is the moment, the middle of the dinner party, the, you know, person that you brought to impress you know, they kind of get up in the middle of the pasta and the salad and, and they go upstairs to that bathroom. And they begin to clean that toilet with a toilet brush. And you're like, oh, I wonder what happened to that person. So you kind of go up in the horror that you would experience in your body. That, no, that, this is not why you're here. I didn't invite you over here to clean my toilet. I invited you here to be a part of this, this supper, this dinner party. And, and you're doing something I feel embarrassed, not by what I am doing, but I feel embarrassed because of what you are doing. And I think this is the moment that Jesus and the disciples are in. The dinner gets interrupted. And then we can kind of go along to verse 6. Jesus comes to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, then you have no part of me. And one of the beautiful things about Jesus is yes, Jesus comes to disrupt things, but Jesus also comes to impact things, to change things, to clean things. We can look back, there's a couple of places that I'm just kind of thinking about in the moment, Ezekiel chapter 36. It's probably in like the 700 range pages of your Bible if you're looking for it. Ezekiel 36, the, the prophet says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. But the cleansing that Jesus does is interesting, though. Like, the cleansing that Jesus does, it, it doesn't make things acceptable. 
like it makes things new. Like if you would ask someone to go and, you know, clean a part of your house, like we run into this with our kids a lot. Hey, can you go like clean your room? Can you clean this thing? Can you clean that thing? Can I just tell you there's a scale of that? right, of what I would say is clean and what they would say is clean, but then we have these other terms like picked up, what's the difference between picked up and clean, right? Got a bunch of lawyers living in my house. But the, the cleansing that Jesus does doesn't just like make things acceptable. They like pass some kind of standard, but the cleansing that Jesus does makes things and people new. Like another example like would be like Psalm 51. We have King David, right, who has completely blown it. He's completely stepped outside of God's heart for him as a king. And he's slept with someone who is not his wife. And he has killed the husband of that wife. And he still thinks he's going to be God's king in Israel. And he writes this Psalm, this is Psalm 51, and here are the words that we hear. He just says, hey, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. So don't just make me acceptable, Lord. Would you make me new? So when we talk about the activity of God, the cleansing that he brings to our lives, to our hearts, to our stories. We're not talking about like us just being acceptable to God, like God's going to somehow like put up with us now because he's done this. No, like God wants to make us new. So the heart in Ezekiel is taking a heart of stone and making it a heart of flesh. How do you do that? How do you take a heart that's stone? It's by getting a new one. It's by having a renewed heart, not a heart that's just cleaned up. And so Jesus turns to Peter and says, hey, if I don't wash you, (laughs) like you have no part of me. And it's this powerful moment where I just think that he's turning to Peter and just saying, Peter, do you want me to be involved or not? Like, unless I wash you, you have no, we can't be together in this deal. Like, Peter, do you want me to be involved? Or would you like to just do this on your own? Like, this life with God thing, you want to do that on your own? Like, do you want me to be involved? And I don't know about you, but that question haunts me. Because how many of us would actually we would be honest, we would kind of back up and we would sort of look at our calendar and look at our rhythms and look at the choices that we make and we would go, do I want God to be involved? Or does what's happened around me serve as the evidence and the proof that actually I don't? That actually I spend a lot of time doing things on my own? That actually it takes a lot of courage, a lot of strength, a lot of bravery to Put yourself in a posture where you place your feet in a bucket and let the creator of the universe change you, renew you from the inside out. Because yes, of course, Jesus is doing something more here than just washing the stuff of life off of the disciples' feet. He's doing something much more powerful than that. 
This is a symbol of the, the kind of life, the kind of relationship in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says to Peter, hey, do you want me to be involved? And it's a question that Peter has to, to answer. And then verse 12, we find the story kind of comes to a bit of a conclusion. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And I just have a question, like, are they all continuing to eat while this is happening? Are they all just staring? And he says, do you understand what I have done for you? And I imagine them all kind of looking at Jesus and like, yeah, we understand. Like, takes me back to math class when my math teacher at the front. Like, Dave, does this make sense to you? Totally. I'm all in. Did you say something? Do you understand? And I love that Jesus kind of pushes past that and says, hey, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant's greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And I think the experience of Jesus is that he does things and often they don't understand. Often they're like, I think so. But isn't a Gentile supposed to do what you just did? I feel confused. The disruption is confusing to me. But he says, hey, like no servant's like, greater than the, the master, and so I've set an example for you to do this, and I'm not just talking about dinner parties. I'm talking about how you interact in the world. I'm talking about the kind of conversations that you have. I'm, I'm talking about the, the posture that you have in the place where I have positioned you. I think in a lot of ways, Jesus is saying two things. I'm going to invite the band up as we close this morning. I think he's saying two things. I think he's saying no one is above serving another person. Don't talk to me about status. Don't talk to me about title. Don't talk to me about experience. Don't talk to me about Jew. Don't talk to me about Gentile. No one is above serving another person. Nobody gets out of it. If you're going to be a human being, you're going to get the flu. There's no card that you can show that's like a pass for getting the flu. To be a human being, you're going to get the flu. Jesus is saying nobody is above serving another person. And in, this is the axis that my kingdom rotates around. Because why? Because it starts with a God in heaven who sees and who hears and responds to the cries of his people. And he, John 1.14, says that he like took on flesh. In the Eugene Peterson paraphrase, he like moved into the neighborhood 
Like he noticed, he saw, but he joined. It's not enough to notice and see, but there's a joining. He takes on flesh. And he serves. So that's one, that no one is above serving. But there's something else I think Jesus wants to say. I think it's just as important. And it's that no one is below being served. So yes, no one is above serving. And some of us in the room need to step into that one. Because there's moments, there's times when we're just not really that interested. Like we're sort of busy. We don't have time to serve another person. Like we're kind of working our way through Target and the person that's helping us, sorry, I don't have time to serve Darla. She's talking to me about all this stuff. I just don't have time for her. I've got like stuff to do. No one is above serving another person. But others of us in the room need to get our arms around the second one, that no one is below being served. Because some of us in the room have lived a life that that's the message that's stuck to us. That like there's stuff that we've done, things we've experienced, places we've come from. And we just don't really, like, we're not acceptable to God, we're not acceptable to ourselves, we're not acceptable in this world. And so we sort of live below. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. No. Judas gets his feet washed too. Doesn't he? And Peter gets his feet washed too. And I think John's purposeful to show us that and to tell us that so that we would grasp both of these truths that no one's above serving another person but no one is below being served because Jesus comes to reframe the whole conversation about the people that we are called to love the people we are called to know the people that we are called to serve and as we begin this season of Lent. I almost said Advent. This season of Lent, that went fast. We're taking some time over these next six weeks to listen in on some conversations that Jesus has with his disciples. Because if we're going to count ourselves as Jesus' disciples, we need to listen to these conversations. This is conversation number one. That unless I wash you, you have no part of me. No one is above serving another person and no one is below being served. And Jesus is happy to disrupt the way that you think about life in his kingdom, about life on planet Earth, about life in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, so much so he's very willing to take off his outer garment, take the, take the towel, wrap it around his waist, and begin to work in between the toes of all of the stuff of life that you find repulsive and that you find as keeping you disconnected from him. He says, no. Like, do you remember the incarnation? I've come to impact the stuff of life. I've come not to make you clean, but to make you new in Jesus' name. We pray with me. Lord God, we thank you today for this church. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity that we have every week to gather in this place and to open up your word and to consider together these words. 
to consider together the, the posture that our Lord has in the world, to consider together the, the challenge of being a people who have a, a place belonging, a, a, a citizenship that is in the world to come, and also having feet that are firmly planted in this place and in this time. And so, God, as we uh, work through the, these series of conversations that Jesus has in the final days of his life on planet Earth, we pray that we would get a picture of your heart, not just for them, but your heart for us. Not just your heart for the disciples in that moment, but your heart for us in this moment as your disciples. God, I pray for the person in the room today who has lived a story that has caused them to feel that they're in some kind of way below being served. I pray that these words would, would fall on them in a fresh and an empowering way. And, and for the person who's here that has lived a different kinds of story, a different kind of life, different kinds of experiences, where sometimes we're just not really that interested and willing and to serve other people. God, would you remove that heart from us? Would you remove that posture from us? Would you rebuke that in us, in Jesus' name? Because we do not want to live apart from you. We don't want to live apart from your way. We want to be seated with you around the table in the world that is to come. And if we were wanting that for the future, and we want it now. We don't have to live lives separated from our king. And so, God, we're open to the work that you desire to do, the things you desire to take from us, and the things that you desire to pour into our lives. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more song together today. Sing, bless the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.